In order to keep bringing you guys tons of free content, we work with brand partners who you'll hear from in this episode, including an advertisement from Zopabank. Welcome back to the Talk 20s podcast. You may recognize today's guest if you've ever tuned into YouTube for help with your studies. Since her GCSEs, Eve Bennett has been vlogging her life, sharing the best tips that help her land the top grades and a place at Oxford. Now a graduate stepping out into the big wide world, we're chatting to Eve about her life after education. So many of us feel a huge sense of discomfort when the routine of education is left behind. So how do we navigate this tricky phase of our lives and adapt to actual adult life? As ever, if you guys enjoy or find comfort in this episode, please do leave us a review. It means the world to us and it helps us reach more people with our message. On with the show. So hello Eve, welcome to the podcast. Hello. You've come up from London today. I have. Thank you so much for making the trip up to Liverpool. We are so excited to have you in the studio. We can't wait to chat to you about everything to do with adult life because I know you're going through quite the journey at the moment, aren't you? I was going to say, you've caught me at a really good time. Yeah. I feel like this is like the epitome <laughs> of the time in my life where a podcast like this is like a good thing to be on. <laughs> so. Yeah, definitely. And I think it'd be really probably good to start from the beginning mm-hmm. of your story because... A lot of people, in fact, one of the producers at the studio here has come out and gone, oh my God, I used to watch you on YouTube growing up. So it's probably the case for a lot of our listeners as well, that they will know you from your YouTube channel. Tell us a little bit more about that, how it started and kind of what it's become over the years, because you've been doing that for 10 years. Yeah, I can't believe it now. Like looking back, it doesn't feel that long, but it has basically been the big portion of my life that I can remember, because obviously you don't really remember when you're like, really really young mm-hmm. so I don't really remember a time in my life where I wasn't doing it but it kind of happened by accident I was like every other 13 year old back in 2013 who was absolutely obsessed with the Brit crew Zoella all of those lot um, and I used to watch their videos obsessively and I had a fan account for Zoella on Twitter <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting that um, it's probably still out there somewhere if uh, people want to try and find it which I recommend you don't um, and I basically just thought I could do that so me and a few friends had like a collab channel um but they soon realized it wasn't for them and they suggested that I made my own and yeah I just obsessively commented on everyone's videos being like subscribe to me and stuff and eventually my videos started to gain traction and before I knew it I'd hit 100,000 subscribers and yeah it kind of became like not a job because I've never seen it as a job but I started earning income from it and coming to London and doing all these events and things and yeah it kind of spiraled from there. So tell us a little bit more about the types of videos that you've created over the years because I feel like you're known for for uh, lots of different things but probably more that kind of educational side of things. Yeah it's funny because my first videos were not educational at all they were you know sort of what's in my bag like makeup looks. I did this absolutely awful one where I did like Halloween costumes and I dressed up as a minion which still haunts <laughs> me to this day um, but I quickly moved away from that um, again by accident because around my GCSEs I posted a couple of videos just with some tips that I'd picked up from like people at school and stuff like that and my teachers. Uh, I posted sort of a top tips video, not really thinking much of it. And then loads of people were like, oh my gosh, I've never heard these tips before. They're so helpful. I think I was really lucky. I went to a grammar school. Um, It wasn't um, fee paying, but you had to take a test to get in. Mm -hmm. And my teachers were quite on the ball with revision. So the tips that they were giving me felt like second nature to me, but perhaps for a lot of other people, you know, they weren't getting this advice. So very quickly from there, I sort of transitioned without realising into a what's now known as a study tuber. Mm-hmm. I would like to, you know, sort of toot my own horn a little bit and be like, I was one of the original study tubers, but back then it wasn't really 
study tube as a concept mm-hmm. I made a separate channel to post revision tips on and eventually that channel overtook my original channel and I stopped posting on that and now that's the one that I use so yeah um and then all the way through uni I just carried on posting but they kind of transitioned away from advice more to just documenting the student experience because I felt like that was something that people could probably do with more especially if they were looking at going to Oxford where I went where I feel like there's a lot of stereotypes and it's kind of mystified a little bit Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to break down the stigma so I definitely transitioned from here are top 10 tips on how to pass your history GCSE more to like this is what student life is like with all of its highs and lows. And, you know, if you want to apply to Oxford, it's definitely a place for you. And so when you, had you always wanted to apply to Oxford? Was that always the goal? Um, I think I'd always been a really big overachiever, like for sure. And I think, because my school was, it kind of looked a bit like Hogwartsy or like, you know, Abbey Mount in Wild Child. Like that's what <laughs> it looks like, the sort of big stately home vibes. And I think that for me, Oxford and Cambridge were always kind of like the Hogwarts of unis. Mm-hmm. Um, and me being me, just wanting to be the best at everything when I was younger and like not really accepting anything less. I think I'd sort of been told that Oxford was that. Um, initially, I was very set on Cambridge, but I went to a summer school actually, like for state school students at Oxford. Um, and I got put at a college called Lady Margaret Hall and I literally fell in love with it and it completely changed my entire perspective on Oxford. Um, and that was the college I ended up going to and the degree that I ended up doing. So I definitely always knew I wanted to go to like, you know, one of the Russell groups or something if I could work hard and get in. But I didn't know exactly where until, again, by accident, (laughs) I went on that summer school. Did you ever feel like a pressure to do extremely well in your exams because you had all these followers kind of kind of looking at you for advice and then obviously I would think I would feel so pressured. Yeah it's funny actually because with my GCSEs the pressure was solely from me Mm -hmm. a little bit from my school because yeah as I said like it was a very sort of like high achieving sort of school but I've always been like the main source of pressure for myself. I always put so much pressure on myself to do well and I think my GCSE results were definitely testament to a self-pressure but the problem is once I then uploaded my GCSE results video which kind of has become a meme because I was basically reading out my grades one by one and I got straight A stars and I was like in geography I didn't even do geography in history I got an A star in physics I got an A star and it, it every single year on GCSE results day it comes out on TikTok it's like that one friend that said they weren't going to do well and then it's a video of me reading out all my grades <laughs> it's awful um but from that point then I had the pressure on me I think from YouTube as well I never felt it like really really overwhelmingly but the one time I did feel it was when myself and a couple of other study tubers were in the same year group and we'd all applied to Oxford or Cambridge. And the day that the decisions were coming out, I've just really just felt the weight of the world on my shoulders then because I knew that if I got in and they didn't or they got in and I didn't. Um, and then at uni, I think, I mean, Oxford's just a very high pressure environment. So I think it was a, by the end, it was a combination of sort of like the school or the uni and me, myself, and YouTube all putting the pressure on to be, mm-hmm. you know, the best I could be. Out of interest, did all your study friends get all get into the No, oh, so no. actually I was the only one out of us that ended up getting in. Oh, wow. um, they've both gone on to do like absolutely amazing things. And I really do think that the paths that they've gone on, you know, are completely suited to them. And I think that that was almost meant to happen. They 100% deserve to get in. But where they are now wouldn't have happened without Mm -hmm. it. Um, But on the day, I remember rather than being like 
relieved and happy that I'd got in. I was actually getting a lot of negative comments mm. from people being like, oh, that person deserved to get in more than you or like oh, things wow. like that. So I think that was definitely a more negative side of it. Mm. Um, but no, I'm grateful it all worked out the way that mm-hmm. it did in the end. Mm-hmm. So for you then, you did you know the path that you wanted to go on? Because right now I know that obviously you are about to start in a few weeks time, your very first job in journalism with Sky News, which is absolutely incredible. Thank you. <laughs> um, but did you always know that that was what you wanted to do and therefore that's what, what you chose at university? Was that always going to be your path? Like what was your No, choice? actually, again, it kind of happened by accident. I feel like there's a, there's a recurring theme here. Like most of the things that have happened to me have happened by accident and completely shaped the course of my like late teens, early 20s. But I always knew that politics, current affairs was something that I was really interested in. I did it at A-level and like... I love arguing with family members and things about politics. Mm-hmm. Like I've always loved doing that because I always love being right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew in the back of my mind that that was probably the kind of area that I wanted to go into, but I wasn't entirely sure. I think for a while I thought maybe I'd be like a diplomat or sort of go into politics myself. Um, and then while I was at uni, I picked a, a very open degree. I did German and Spanish because I wanted to have the employability that languages give you, but with the openness of kind of a humanities degree. And while I was at uni, um, the student newspaper, one of the student newspapers um, messaged me and they were like, we really need someone to help out editing our videos for our video section. And obviously, because I was doing YouTube, like I was the the main culprit. Um, and so I started doing that and kind of fell into student journalism from there and really caught the bug for editing news-based videos rather than just my vlog content. And then from there, I did a bit of work experience at Sky News and a couple of other places. And I did some work experience on my year abroad as well, working at a magazine in Germany. And by that point, I was pretty sure this is definitely what I want to do. So again, it kind of developed slowly. Um, but I think that journalism combines my skill set that I've developed from YouTube. So video and audio editing, talking to a camera, knowing how to frame a story with my interest in politics and current affairs. So it kind of seemed like a no brainer when it finally did click that that was something I wanted to do. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And then when you graduated um, from Oxford, you've gone on to do a postgrad in order to train into journalism. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so I kind of had two options really. I mean, it is completely possible to go straight into journalism um, without a postgraduate. I probably should say that because I don't want people who are thinking about going into journalism thinking that's the only option because it can be a financial barrier for a lot of people. Um, but there are two options sort of really in the post-grad world at the moment which is a master's at somewhere like City in London or Sheffield or Cardiff perhaps and then there's the NCTJ which is kind of the National Council for the Training of Journalists I think it stands for and that is much more of a skill focused qualification so after four years at Oxford which was very essay heavy very like academia sort of thought based I really wanted to just get stuck in and sort of do something and also it was only six months the one that I did rather than a year so I decided to go for the NCTJ rather than the master's which I think for me was actually quite difficult because I think as a study tuber everyone kind of expected me to do the master's and I decided not to do that and I for me personally I felt like it was a really big risk Um, but it was great because it was you were just doing media law you were writing news Um, when the Queen very sadly passed away we were sent straight out to Windsor and to the Mall like reporting on that so you really were just stuck in from day one and I felt like I learned so much quicker because I was essentially doing it on the job rather Mm -hmm. than just thinking about journalism I was 
actually doing it. So I'm very glad with the choice that I made in the end because it's led me to this job that I've got now. So so literally next week, you're going to be starting your very first job in adult life. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Not going to lie, I'm absolutely terrified. (laughs) Um, I think for me, this now has sort of been what I've been building up to for years and years and years. Not specifically, you know, this exact job, but I had always imagined from the moment that I sort of decided that journalism was for me a few years ago, being on BBC or Sky or somewhere big like that. But I imagined it kind of a lot further down the line. Um, So when this job opening came up and I applied, I really wasn't expecting to get it because I personally just didn't think that I was qualified for it. So having dealt with imposter syndrome at uni, I think it's going to be a fresh case of that, but probably a lot worse because a lot of these people that are going to be working alongside of me are a little bit further along in their careers or they've got a bit more experience under their belt. So I think it's going to be very fast paced and a very big challenge, but one that I'm I'm ready for, I think. I think. We'll see. <laughs> when you step into your 20s, some of the biggest struggles our listeners share with us are money orientated. We know it's hard sometimes to find your feet in regards to money when big life changes happen. Maybe you're leaving uni, moving out, moving cities, starting a new job, getting married, making career changes, starting businesses. These big life moments can be expensive. And that's why we've teamed up with our sponsors, Zopa Bank, to open up more conversations around money. To us, it's really important that we talk more openly with our friends and close network about how money impacts our lives. So let's stop brushing this under the carpet and start opening up. Thank you, Zopa, for supporting us on this mission. You can find out more about Zopa by downloading their app. And stepping out into like your first full-time job, it is very different from the confines and the routine of school, which mm-hmm. is something that obviously has been your pretty much your whole brand for the past 10 years. How does that make you feel going forwards? I think I kind of put off the realisation that school was done um, for as long as I physically could because I did sort of do the postgrad, which was six months, and then I went to Australia travelling for a little while. So the reality, I think, that that chapter of my life is over and that my life suddenly doesn't have this, you know, September to to June structure that it's had for so many years, I think was a really difficult one to face and one that I've actually faced in the last couple of months more than ever really especially in this sort of weird period between finishing my postgrad and starting my job I've had a lot of free time probably a bit too much free time to be thinking about the reality of the situation that this time last year I was sitting my finals and now I'm paying council tax and rent and like my day is just whatever I want to do I've got no deadlines or essays due I think I found that really hard especially because I made a living off it and it was essentially my life and I was studying, but I was also sort of like making a living out of studying and people were watching me study and it's just been such a cool part of my identity, doing exams and doing well at exams that suddenly now I have no more exams. Like I just have life and you can't really get graded on life. You don't get like monthly exams or like feedback. Even if you're working, you're not going to have your boss being like, oh, you're doing so great. Here's an A star. You know, you just have to get on with it. And there's also a lot more scope for making mistakes because there's no specification, there's no mark scheme. So I think, yeah, it's been a really big change to adjust seeing life not in the sense of there's constantly an educational hurdle. Like suddenly from the age of 11, you have, you know, you have SAT, you have GCSE, you have A-levels, there's always something to work towards. And now there's something that you're working towards is like just an open-ended career that you want to build or, you know, 
like relationships and marriage and family, it's a very different situation. Mm. So I think it's going to take some getting used to. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> I think a lot of our listeners will find comfort in hearing you say that though, because I think not enough of us are speaking about it. Like the fact that literally you work for these exams and you have such a structured, here's your point of reference every single day, pretty much. Yeah. And all of a sudden it just changes and you don't have that anymore. And I think one of the things that I found the hardest stepping into my twenties is actually like when you were in school, you were all graded on the same mark scheme or the same subjects you Mm -hmm. were all studying and you were all pretty much at the same place at the same time based on your age. But then what I think gets really hard is when you step out into adult life and all of your friends are all at different stages at different points in their life. Some of them are traveling, some of them are having kids, some of them are buying houses, some of them are uh, getting promoted. Like everyone is reaching new milestones at different times rather than everyone reaching it all together. Like, oh, it's it's GCSE results today or it's it's A-level results today. And I think that is that really starts to kick in in your 20s. So be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I find that completely. And I think as well, the problem I'm having at the moment is I want to be all of those people. So I want mm. to be the person that's like not rushing into their career and traveling, but I also want to be the person that's hustling, getting where they want to go. And I also kind of want to, you know, be like settling down and have my nice little place and look at that. But I also don't, want to be doing that and enjoying my and you're looking at everyone you're thinking which path should I be on here because everyone's gone completely different options and you don't know which one is necessarily the right or the wrong one for you because there's just so yeah you it's not like oh what am I picking for my A-levels you're like what am I picking for my whole life you know and every decision just feels like it's going to have a knock-on effect mm-hmm. and I think the weight of that suddenly when you leave uni is is really real because you're not making decisions within a structured environment that's leading you on to a next bit of structure you're making these decisions which you might not know now but could have a really big influence on who you are as a person mm-hmm. and what you're doing 10 mm-hmm. in 10 years time mm-hmm. yeah yeah you can like you can hear I'm sure so many people will relate to that kind of anxiety around that as well mm-hmm. and I think it's it's always reassuring to kind of have someone who's that little bit removed from university maybe it's a colleague at work that's been there and had you know they're just a few years down the line Mm. who can show you that like actually you're making the right decision or you know don't worry it's all going to work out because I think all I wanted to hear when I first stepped out of university was like don't worry it's going to be okay like if you make a decision that doesn't work out for you you can make another one in the direction that you want to go like it feels like so overwhelming and like you said you want to be all of those things at once but it's just I think you just need to put like one foot in front of the other and just focus on like the task at hand, like kickstart on your job next week, which will be so exciting. Um, when it comes to adult life, then there are so many life skills that we are not taught in school and there isn't a mark scheme for such as finances, cooking, you know, how you manage your well-being, all of those kind of things. What life skills do you feel like you wish you'd have been taught in school that you feel like you're missing out on now you're stepping out into adult life. Money, 100% money. I think especially because when I was younger, I sort of had an income a lot earlier than a lot of people. And Mm. I was really fortunate that I was able to make quite a lot of money through YouTube. And I remember the first day that I got a letter from HMRC through the door and I just completely panicked. I think I was like 17, 16. And I had no idea what any of it meant. I had no idea how to complete a tax return. I didn't even know what national insurance was, like pension, all of that sort of stuff not a Scooby-Doo. And thankfully, my mom had a family friend who was an accountant and he was able to really help me out. But even then, I felt like I didn't really grasp it. And I felt like it was something for adults. And then in my final year of uni, I realised that, you know, I'd been saving. I definitely, I'm glad that I had the foresight to save money, but it had all been sat in one account, in one easy access savings account for like five years. 
And it was only when I bought the book that I think it's just called Money. I think that one that looks like a credit card. Oh, yeah. Um, and I read that and I was like, I should be investing this. You know, I could be making money off my savings. And it's just been sat in a Santander, like, you know, student mm-hmm. account. So I really wish that I'd learned more about that in school because I feel like now, especially now I'm paying bills and learning to budget and moving from a self-employed salary to a fixed salary. All of these things I've never learned about. Um, mortgages, fixed rate bonds, all of these things that just sound like a load of jargon unless somebody explains it to you. I don't know why we don't learn it Mm-mm. because taxes is one of the only certain things in life and nobody knows what they are or how you pay them. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we often say on the podcast that like, I think Rishi Sunak wants everyone to learn maths until they're 18. But like, how about we flip that and like the last couple of years is all about personal finance because would that would be a so lot much more sense yeah. so I remember doing like further maths GCSE and learning about like matrices and algebra which I have never okay. used never so much as looked at again and I just sit there and think there are millions of people who are not earn, are earning money and they're not using it to their full potential and are probably missing out on mm-hmm. life milestones or holidays or things that they could afford if they knew how to manage their money and you, all, you almost think like that they don't want you to know because they don't want to empower people in that way to take control of their own finances. So I think that's probably why they don't do it. Mm. But I really... You are not the first person to say that. I know. I think that is... I, yeah. I think it, the ball dropped for me a few months ago because I just thought this is surely the most common sense thing to be teaching in schools because it's a key part of every single adult's life. Mm-hmm. And then I'm thinking this is probably why they're not teaching it because mm-hmm. if you're not aware of how to make the most of your money, then, you know, it those proceeds and that those returns are going to other people who Mm -hmm. you know are lining their pockets with it so Mm -hmm. exactly like if you've got you know really high interest on credit cards and loans and all that kind of stuff that's that's how banks make their money isn't it exactly yeah so yeah absolutely but I think there are you know there are definitely uh platforms you know we're not the, the only ones where we talk about this kind of stuff where we try and make it more um accessible and I think there's so many different ways that we can empower ourselves and educate ourselves like for example you just read in that book is a really important next step so I think advising you know the people listen to this podcast go out and learn about money for yourself you will not regret it like it will be one of the best things that you do even just looking on like obviously you can't take anyone's um sort of like advice as you know the exact right thing to do for you Mm. and you should be careful especially on social media you know you can have misleading information you can have scams but I personally found TikTok a really really helpful way to learn about money they have sort of like influencers that explain you know how to make the most out of a credit card for example because when I was younger I was taught to be terrified of credit Mm -hmm. cards and that they were bad for you and my parents were like absolutely you know, I'll never get a credit card. And then when I came out of uni, I did a credit score check and my credit score was shocking because I'd never borrowed any money. Um, and it was only when I sort of went on um, TikTok and on Instagram and YouTube and learned a bit more about how you can actually use a credit card to build your credit score as long as you're paying it back responsibly. Mm-hmm that I really felt like I was starting to get hold on my money and knowing that I was making financial decisions that were going to help me in the future. Mm -hmm. So if people are feeling overwhelmed, I would really, really recommend there are loads of amazing sort of financial influencers on YouTube, TikTok that you can obviously check to see that they're reliable and check to see that they are, you know, a source that you should be trusting. But just for a place to start, you can obviously make your own decisions from there. But, you know, Mm -hmm. social media can be a great place. You don't need to go and get a book. You Mm -hmm. can do it for free on your phone. Mm -hmm. And it's the simplest little thing. Like I didn't realise that credit scores were made up of so many different 
things no. as well. Like the simplest of things, like it, it is obviously to do with the fact that how good you are at borrowing money and paying it back. But I also didn't realize the simplest thing, like your credit utilization. So like I've got a credit card that is a set amount of money and like a good uh, way of like paying it off is that I pay it off monthly, but to try and not go over a certain percentage of usage on that credit card. If you start maxing out credit cards all over, that's when your credit score comes down. So I've actually paid for a holiday on my credit card um, very recently, but it was quite a big amount and it filled up, I think like 90% of my credit card. Of course, I'm paying it off next month. The money's just sat in my savings, but my credit score has gone down this month only for like this month and it should go back up again. I'm actually going to make sure I double check. But like the fact that literally it fluctuates just like that because it knows I've got a big bill coming out. I've used up like 90% of my credit utilization. We shouldn't be lending this person more money because unless they pay it back. And I was like, I had no idea that that was a thing. No one taught me that in school ever. No. So it's just a fascinating thing. And that's like one of like five different things that your your credit score is actually made up of. Um, so it's a, it's a fascinating topic that I just wish we'd learn more about. Yeah, me too, honestly. Even just like, you know, credit cards that you can get cash back on, mm-hmm. air miles. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many ways that you can actually use it for your benefit, but they're just demonized or just not spoken about at all. So yeah, mm-hmm. I completely agree. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about your plans for your YouTube channel now that you are stepping into full-time work. Yeah, so I haven't actually told my YouTube followers this yet, but I'm sure I will have by the time that this yeah. goes out. Yeah. But I actually think for me now, um, I'm definitely coming to the end of my YouTube journey, at least for now. I have loved doing it, but I think that for me now, it it's kind of got to a point where I feel like I need to do it rather than I want to because I'm busy with other things and I feel like my focus in life has kind of changed, done with education, which was what I was really passionate about sharing you know I really wanted to feel for people to feel like university and good exam results were accessible for them and to help people with that and now I feel like that chapter of my life is closed I feel like it feels quite natural as I'm transitioning from education into a professional career that maybe my time sharing my life in that way should probably come to an end it's weird because we were chatting about this earlier I know that sometimes you feel like a big chapter of your life is ending and you feel really really sad or like emotional about it and I think I just feel really kind of proud of it Mm -hmm. and you should I think just happy not happy that it's coming to an end but I feel really content with where I'm leaving it and I feel like you should leave something while it's good you know you should you should leave on a high Um, And I'm really looking forward to kind of closing that chapter and keeping those as memories. I mean, it completely transformed my life. I don't think I would have ended up going to Oxford. I wouldn't have met half my friends, travelled, you know, had the sort of opportunities that I had throughout my teens without it. And it is without a doubt shaped who I am and where I'm going now. And I owe any of my professional career advances to it. But I think, you know, you have to kind of know when's good to to accept that perhaps that time is done. So mm-hmm. I think, I think, yeah, maybe in a couple of weeks will probably be my last video, at least for a while. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. It feels like a big step, but also an end of an era, but also like really exciting, fresh start for you. And I think, you know, what do you think we, what's your end goal ultimately with, with the journalism side of things? What would you love to happen one day? I think ultimately I want to be the one that's presenting the news. I want you to turn on the news at six and like, me you've... be there. <laughs> I think I know that that's what I want to do I I do want to still be in the in the public eye but I kind of want to be known but for my professional skills rather than for my personal life so I'd like to shift to an online and sort of like 
yeah, like public presence that's a bit more professionally based rather than Mm -hmm. personally based. But yeah, my aim is hopefully to start in a producer role and eventually move my way up to being a correspondent and just take any opportunities that I'm given really. But I I know where I want to go and I I really hope I am going to get there. I can totally see that. Watch out. I've got no doubt. 10 years time, turn on the news at six. We'll roll the tapes and be like, she did it, I'll be there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Amazing. I have no doubt, you know, everything you achieve so far, I think you'll absolutely get there. But I'm really excited for you to start your new job next week um we always ask some some questions on the podcast mm-hmm. that talk specifically about our 20s because a lot of people who watch your uh youtube channel will think eve she's got the top 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 grades <laughs> she's been to oxford she couldn't possibly have any adulting disasters or anything like that is there yeah, anything well, that you, has happened to you that you think oh my goodness what a big fat adulting failure <laughs> I think one of my like most silly adulting failures is a really lighthearted one, but I think is a good one, um, is when I moved from uni to uh, my flat in London and me and my boyfriend were moving in together, but he was working at the time on a job back at home in Ireland. So I moved in a month earlier than him and we had all of our stuff boxed up and we sent it into storage for a couple of weeks before we could move in. And I was there at the flat, got the keys, was so excited. And my mom was coming down to help me out. Um, about maybe like two hours later, but the boxes came early. So I suddenly had like, I think it was about 22 boxes, you know, big boxes on this front, very, very small front garden, you know, in London, what it's like. And I was basically looking at them thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? Because I just planned it really poorly. And I thought, you know what I'll do? I'll carry them up the stairs myself. Our flat is on the third floor of like a Victorian building, right? So there's no lift, there's none of that. And I thought, I can do this. And I think I was just trying to be a bit more independent than I actually needed. I was like, I'm an adult now. I don't need help. Like I probably got about eight of those boxes up the stairs and I genuinely think I pulled something in my back or something. And I, my mom got there and I was just sat in pools of sweat. Half the boxes upstairs, half of them on the stairs, down. All the neighbours <laughs> were just looking at me like, what is she doing? So that was a real humbling moment for me. Thinking, yeah, I can move into a flat by myself. No, I couldn't. And sometimes it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. Just because you're a door and you're moving into a new place and you're being all independent doesn't mean you can't have your parents help you with your boxes if you need to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Ask for parents' help where needed for sure. Because I think one of those things is like, you, you kind of leave the nest or you leave home or whatever and you do just want to think like oh, yeah. I see ya like I'm fine on my own 100%. and actually it's really hard to admit that actually sometimes yeah you could really do with yeah some help <laughs> I think I wish I'd realized that so much earlier because I remember especially my first year of uni I was really struggling like with my mental health mm. and just with everything and I think I'd really try to like separate myself from my parents and I barely rang them and I barely spoke to them because I was like yeah I'm living on my own now mm-hmm. whereas now if I cook like a nice pasta or something I'm like mom look at this like there's no shame in like asking your parents for help and staying in touch with your parents and mm-hmm. I really wish I'd realized that a lot earlier because they are there to help you mm-hmm. even if you want to go out and live your own independent life that doesn't mean that you you know you should be ashamed to ask for help for people that have been there, done that, got the t-shirt and have your best interests in mind. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Um, So Eve, no one's perfect. Absolutely no one. We always say that on the podcast because I think it's really important to remember that all of us have our our best bits and our worst mm-hmm. bits, um, but also that everyone is also working through something. Everyone has got their own stuff going on, their own challenges that they're facing. A lot of people will look to you and your YouTube channel and think, well, she's got it all figured out. But what's holding you back right now? Is there something that you're finding challenging at this moment in time that you personally want to get better at? Yeah, I think at the moment for me, it is 
comparison with other people. I deleted TikTok yesterday, actually, because I'm just finding myself constantly questioning what I'm doing and being like, should I be going to the gym more? Or like, should I be having this many friends? Or like, am I making this right decision? Or like, is my relationship like right? And like all Mm. of these sort of things that I'm questioning myself and my own decisions because I'm looking at other people's lives. And you know how on TikTok you have like the sort of like clean girl aesthetic and then you have like the runners and you have like all of these people that are so dedicated and live such like aesthetic and like really, you know, put together lifestyles. And I feel like sometimes I'm just looking on Instagram and everything and I'm like, oh no, I want to be a runner. I want to be that girl or I want to be like an athlete or no, I want like a really clean modern home. And I just need to stop. It's too much. I need to stop it. Like everyone is living their own individual lives. You don't need to like follow. Like, I just think sometimes I want to be that girl and in the moment of like, getting like caught up with buying things on TikTok to make my room more aesthetic or like trying to take up running or something. I'm just forgetting that I can just live my own life Mm -hmm. and it's never going to look exactly like somebody else's. And like, I think I'm just forgetting to actually just live in the moment and not question my own decisions as much just because they don't look like that. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to look back when I'm like 80 and think, oh, I wish that my life was a bit more aesthetic or I wish that I hadn't spent as much time on my phone and that I was like meditating and journaling and all of this. And I just wish that I could just stop my brain from constantly being like, you could be doing that better. You mm-hmm. could be doing more of that. So I'm trying to delete a lot of the sort of social It's also really important to note that, that even the people's lives who the videos you're watching of doesn't actually look like that. I'm right? sure you'll know from being exactly. a YouTuber, you choose the best parts. Exactly. You can be, you know, vulnerable in some situations, but everything's a highlight reel really, isn't it? This is it. And I think for me at the moment, comparison really is the thief of joy because I am feeling very like unsure and uncertain. And I feel like these negative thoughts that I'm directing towards myself and my own life I'm just being way too hard on myself Mm -hmm. so I think that's something I really want to work on especially when I go into this job I'm going to be working long hours I'm not going to be going to aesthetic bars and Mm -hmm. having plans all the time that's another thing on TikTok it looks like everyone's just got really social plans every single weekend Mm -hmm. so I'm just going to try and step back from that and actually just live my own life and not question it because at the end of the day as long as it's making you happy mm-hmm. why should you care what anybody else is doing that's what I'm going to try and, and tell we, myself <laughs> we said earlier on in the podcast that is actually one of the biggest challenges once you step into that adult life is that no one's reaching you can't, can't you can't compare yeah, people's lives exactly because we're not all sitting the same exam we're all on completely different paths exactly. like we're not all doing the same thing yeah. so it's never going to be able to be compared and I know there are people who are probably looking at my life thinking oh I wish that I was more put together like her in that yeah. area and so you just can't win no. and I just think really, really the main thing I want to do is just be nicer to myself Mm -hmm. in the next couple of years and just Mm -hmm. enjoy what I'm doing without questioning whether it's the right thing to be doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Eve, it's been a delight to have you on the podcast. I have loved chatting (laughs) about stepping out into adult life with you. Good luck with your new job. I know you're going to absolutely smash it and I can't wait to see you on our TV screens in the future. But we always end the podcast with the same question that we ask every single one of our guests. We're launching 20s Fest, an immersive event that will help you take your next step in your 20s. Whether that's progressing your career, starting a business, getting your money stitch sorted, buying a house, prioritizing your well-being or making new friends, this is the event to be at. Help us shape the event by pre-registering your details via the link below. And it's if you could look back at 20-year-old Eve and give her just one piece of advice... What would you say to her? 
I would say don't try and force anything to happen. It will happen and it's time. I remember when I was when I was sort of 19 turning 20, just for one example, I still hadn't been in a relationship and I was really, really thinking like, when is it going to happen for me? Trying to force it, you know, mm. putting myself in situations that I wasn't even necessarily comfortable with, with the hope that it would kind of come true. And like my relationship that I'm in now is my first relationship. It's a really happy relationship and I'm so glad that... 20-year-old me finally realised that you can't force these things and you can't rush into it because it came at the exact right time Mm -hmm. and I was in the exact right mental headspace for that relationship at the time because I just relaxed. So I think, yeah, my number one advice would be relax, don't rush. What is meant for you will come to you in the time that it's meant to come. Yeah. I think so many people can relate to that. Thank you so much, Eve. It's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Thank you.